Day four, the fourth story of the Decameron. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Decameron by Giovanni Boccaccio. Translated by J. M. Rigg. Day four, the fourth story. Gerbino, in breach of the plighted faith of his grandfather, King Guglielmo, attacks a ship of the King of Tunis, dressifens his daughter. She being slain by those aboard the ship, he slays them, and afterwards he is beheaded. Lauretta, her story ended, kept silence, and the king brooded as in deep thought, while one or another of the company deplored the sad fate of this or the other of the lovers, or censored Ninetes brass, or made some other command. At length, however, the king roused himself, and raising his head, made sign to Elisa that was now for her to speak. So modestly Elisa thus began. Gracious ladies, not a few there are that believe that love loses no shafts save when he is kindled by the eyes, contemning their opinion that hold that passion may be engendered by words, whose error will be abundantly manifest in a story which I purpose to tell you, wherein you may see how mere rumor not only wrought mutual love in those that had never seen one another, but also brought both to a miserable death. Guglielmo the second, as the Sicilians compute, king of Sicily, had two children, a son named Ruggeri and a daughter named Gostanza. Ruggeri died before his father and left a son named Gerbino, who, being carefully trained by his grandfather, grew up a most goodly gallant and of great renown in court and camp, and that not only within the borders of Sicily, but in diverse other parts of the world, among them Barbary, then tributary to the king of Sicily, and among others, to whose ears was wafted the bruit of Gerbino's magnificent prowess and courtesy, was a daughter of the king of Tunis, who by averment of all that had seen her, was a creature as fair and debonair, and of as great and noble a spirit as nature ever formed. To hear tell of brave men was her delight, and what she heard, now from one, now from another, of the brave deeds of Gerbino, she treasured him in her mind so sedulously, and pondered them with such pleasure, rehearsing them to herself in imagination, that she became hotly enamoured of him, and there was none of whom she talked, or heard others talk, so gladly nor, on the other hand, had the fame of her incomparable beauty and other excellences failed to travel, as to other lands, so also to Sicily, where, falling on Gerbino's ears, it gave him no small delight to such effect that he burned for the lady no less vehemently than she for him wherefore until such time as he might upon some worthy occasion have his grandfather's leave to go to tunis yearning beyond measure to see her he charged every friend of his that went thither to give her to know as best he might his great 
and secret love for her and to bring him tidings of her which office one of the said friends discharged with no small address for having obtained access to her after the manner of merchants by bringing jewels for her to look at he fully apprised her of gerbino's passion and placed him and all that he possessed entirely at her disposal the lady received both messenger and message with gladsome mien, made answer that she loved with equal ardor, and in token thereof sent Gerbino one of her most precious jewels. Gerbino received the jewel with extreme delight, and sent her many a letter and many a most precious gift by the hand of the same messenger, and twas well understood between them that should fortune accord him opportunity, he should see and know her. Of this footing the affair remained somewhat longer than was expedient, and so, while Gerbino and the lady burned with mutual love, it befell that the king of Tunis gave her in marriage to the king of Granada, whereat she was wroth beyond measure, for that she was not only going into a country remote from her lover, but, as she deemed, was severed from him altogether and so this might not come to pass gladly could she but have seen how would she have left her father and fled to gerbino in like manner gerbino on learning of the marriage was vexed beyond measure and was oft-times minded could he but find means to win to her husband by sea to wrest her from him by force some rumour of gerbino's love and of his intent reached the king of Tunis, who, knowing his prowess and power, took alarm, and as the time drew nigh for conveying the lady to Granada, sent word of his purpose to King Guglielmo, and craved his assurance that it might be carried into effect without let or hindrance on the part of Gerbino or anyone else the old king had heard nothing of gerbino's love affair and never dreaming that twas on such account that the assurance was craved granted it without demur and in pledge thereof sent the king of tunis his glove which received the king made ready a great and goodly ship in the port of carthage and equipped her with all things meet for those that were to man her and with all appointments apt and seemingly for the reception of his daughter and awaited only fair weather to send her therein to granada all which the young lady seeing and marking sent one of her servants privily to palermo bidding him greet the illustrious gerbino on her part and tell him that a few days would see her on her way to granada wherefore it would now appear whether or no he were really as doughty a man as he was reputed and loved her as much as he had so often protested the servant did not fail to deliver her message exactly and returned to tunis leaving gerbino who knew that his grandfather king guglielmo had given the king of tunis the desired assurance at a loss how to act but prompted by love and goaded by the lady's words and loath to seem a craven he heed him to messina and having there armed two light galleys and manned them with good men and true he put to sea and stood for sardinia deeming that the lady's ship must pass that way 
nor was he far out in his reckoning, for he had not been there many days when the ship sped by a light breeze, hove in sight not far from the place where he lay in wait for her. Whereupon Gerbino said to his comrades, Gentlemen, if you be as good men and true as i deem you there is none of you but must have felt if he feel not now the might of love for without love i deem no mortal capable of true worth or aught that is good and if you are or have been in love twill be easy for you to understand that which i desire i love and tis because i love that i have laid this travail upon you and that which i love is in the ship that you see before you which is fraught not only with my beloved but with immense treasures which if you are good men and true we so we but play the man in fight may with little trouble make our own nor for my share of the spoils of the victory demand i aught but a lady whose love it is that prompts me to take arms all else i freely cede to you from this very hour forward then attack we this ship success should be ours for god favors our enterprise nor lends her wind to evade us fewer words might have sufficed the illustrious gerbino for the rapacious messinices that were with him were already bent heart and soul upon that to which by his harangue he sought to animate them so when he was done they raised a mighty shout so that twas as if trumpets did blare and cut up their arms and smiting the water with their oars overhauled the ship the advancing galleys were observed while they were yet a great way off by the ship's crew who not being able to avoid the combat put themselves in a posture of defence arrived at close quarters the illustrious gerbino bade send the ship's masters aboard the galleys unless they were minded to do battle certified of the challenge and who they were that made it the saracens answered that was in breach of the faith plighted to them by their assailants king that they were thus attacked and in token thereof displayed king guglielmo's glove averring in set terms that there should be no surrender either of themselves or of aught that was aboard the ship without battle gerbino who had observed the lady standing on the ship's poop and seen that she was far more beautiful than he had imagined burned with a yet fiercer flame than before and to the display of the glove made answer that as he had no falcons there just then the glove booted him not wherefore so they were not minded to surrender the lady let them prepare to receive battle whereupon without further delay the battle began on both sides with a furious discharge of arrows and stones on which wise it was long protracted to their common laws until at last gerbino seeing that he gained little advantage took a light bark which they had brought from sardinia and having fired her bore down with her and both the galleys upon the ship whereupon the saracens seeing that they must perforce surrender their ship or die caused the king's daughter who lay beneath the deck weeping to come up on deck and led her to the prow and shouting to gerbino while the lady shrieked alternately mercy and succour 
opened her veins before his eyes, and cast her into the sea, saying, Take her, we give her to thee on such wise as we can, and as thy faith has merited. Maddened to witness this deed of barbarism, Gerbino, as if courting death, wrecked no more of the arrows and the stones, but drew alongside the ship, and, despite the resistance of her crew, boarded her, and, as a famished lion ravens amongst a herd of oxen, and tearing and rending, now one, now another, gluts his wrath before he appears his hunger, so Gerbino, sword in hand, hacking and hewing, on all sides among the Saracens, did ruthlessly slaughter not a few of them, till, as the burning ship began to blaze more fiercely, he bade the seamen take thereout all that they might by way of guerdon, which done, he quitted her, having gained but a rueful victory over his adversaries. His next care was to recover from the sea the body of the fair lady, whom long and with many a tear he mourned. And so he returned to Sicily and gave the body honorable sepulture in Ustica, an islet that faces, as it were, Trapani, and went home the saddest man alive. When these tidings reached the king of Tunis, he sent to King Guglielmo ambassadors, habited in black, who made complaint of the breach of faith, and recited the manner of its occurrence, which caused King Guglielmo no small chagrin, and seeing not how he might refuse the justice they demanded, he had Gerbino arrested, and he himself none of his barons being able by any entreaty to turn him from his purpose, sentenced him to forfeit his head, and had it severed from his body in his presence preferring to suffer the loss of his only grandson than to gain the reputation of a faithless king and so miserably within the compass of a few brief days died the two lovers by woeful deaths as i have told you and without having known any joyance of their love end of day four the fourth story